This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to a super special episode of the Stacey West podcast. I am one of your regular hosts, Gary Hutchinson, and joining me today is Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, my friend? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Really unusual, isn't it? It's seven o'clock, Wednesday morning, there's a Stacey mm-hmm. West podcast and a video out with an unusual camera angle for me. Uh, so you know, you get to see the grey in my beard and, and my Tintin haircut. Um, so the reason that we're doing this, uh, we've got a super special guest on um, and it is to coincide with the release of the 2023 account. So I think it's from t- June 2022 to June 2023. Um, so it's the release of the Lincoln City accounts, lots to pick over, lots to go through. Uh, I did uh, an AAT course at college and uh, I was um, thrown off it after a year. So numbers are not my thing. Charlie, you're a legal eagle, aren't you? I I am. And I, to be honest, though, I absolutely love the numbers like this. Um, I, I've been poring over these accounts since uh, since I've got them, and obviously it's the headline figures that'll be spoken around, spoken about, and banded around on social media over the next couple of days. But actually, when you get into the nitty gritty of it as well, there's some really really interesting kind of things coming out of these accounts. Yeah, exactly. However, you and I are not the best qualified to talk about these. There is somebody in the world of football who is hugely respected when it comes to financial accounts, uh, and we've got him on today. Charlie, I'll hand over to you. You sourced the guest. Um, Tell people who they're going to be hearing from in about 10 minutes' time. I did, yeah. So a little bit uh, later on, once me and Gary have put in our 10p's worth, we will be hearing from Kieran Maguire, football finance expert. Um, I mean, just this morning I spoke with him and then afterwards, he was going to talk to Tottenham, to talk to Aston Villa, to talk to Sky Sports. And he was like, "This, this is a, it's a bit of a coup for the podcast." This, I, uh, I, I really enjoy speaking to Kieran. I, I did his Price of Football podcast, which is a fantastic podcast, by the way. Uh, I, I went on his last summer. Make sure to go check well, not just that episode out, but the whole podcast as well, of course. Um, and yeah, he's he's a really really great guy to talk to, unbelievably knowledgeable, um, and I really enjoyed sitting down with him. 
I think the thing is the price of football is you know, when you say that to any football fan, they know who you're talking about and what you're mm-hmm. talking about. So what we have on the Stacey West podcast at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning for listeners is instant reaction from somebody that would be giving instant reaction to Manchester City's accounts, Manchester United's accounts. I mean, this is it's a national guest. So we're absolutely honoured to. I don't know if Kieran listens back. If you do, Kieran, thank you very much for giving up your time to come and dissect the numbers, dissect the accounts and talk about Lincoln City. We're going to do a little intro because as Lincoln City fans, there were one or two headlines, I think, that Charlie and I picked out, um, which which kind of resonate more with us than perhaps they will do with a, you know, with a, with a financial figure. Uh, and the first one that I really wanted to pick out, and, and you must con- you must forgive me from looking all over the place because I've got the accounts open on one screen and uh, if you're watching on at home. Um, so there's, there's a bit I'm going to just read out here. Uh, it's talking about the season review. Uh, it says, um, league form improved significantly after the close of the winter transfer window with 21-year-old Ethan Arahan being a notable signing at the end of January for a six-figure sum. Now, at the time, the discussion was that that six-figure sum was somewhere in the region of £200,000. It's an undisclosed fee, as all fees seem to have been since probably the last 15, 20 years. However, Crucially, the accounts then say that that transfer fee remains below the club record fee paid of £325,000, including a promotion add-on for John Akindi in July 2018. So Lincoln City's record fee paid has been fixed and agreed at £75,000 for the last 20, 30-ish years, which I think off the top of my head was Dean Walling. Uh, £75,000 and Tony Battersby possibly um, I think Grant Brown was 60000 I think it was then Dean Walling mm-hmm. Tony Battersby with a £75,000 uh, fees I think this is massive and it doesn't relate directly to these accounts but Lincoln City fans love to know what transfer fees are undisclosed fees and now there'll be a real debate I think on the back of this and I don't want it to take away from the rest of the numbers about whether John Akindi was worth 325000 did you find that notable Charlie? Oh, absolutely. Um, like you say, I, you, you speak to sort of Premier League fans and, and even some Championship fans and such, and they know who their biggest signings were. They know more or less how much every single player that was bought for, how much that transfer fee was. But us at Lincoln City and many other League One and League Two clubs never really get that information. What's striking for me, and I know it's you know, a couple of years, if you like, after the fact in terms of this one. What was it? Five years? Six years? Yeah. But the fact that we're being so transparent and open about it, it, it's a step in the right direction in terms of that sort of thing. People clamour constantly for get rid of undisclosed fees, tell us how much we're paying for players so that they can judge a player based on their transfer value as well, which is a very dangerous uh, sort of route to start going down. But that is what a lot of fans would like to be able to do. And knowing this move for John Akinde was £325,000, it's a big headline figure and it's... Um, Again, it's really good from the club that they've been so open and telling us about it. Now, I did a an article back in, funnily enough, July 2018, which is <laughs> when we signed John and Kindy, and it was about our record transfer fees examined, but I also took inflation into account. Um, so, for instance, when we signed uh, Jock Dodds in 1948, we paid £6,000, but that equates in, in real terms today to £207,000. Um, 325,000 for John Akindi would make him with inflation, although it's our record signing in terms of actual money, in terms of relativeness to kind of everything and in, in, in the years, it would make him our second highest 
behind Andy Graver, who we paid, uh, doesn't say, but we, we, it was nearly, nearly 350,000 with inflation in, in, uh, in 1955. I think one thing we'll say is that, you know, that is with a sell on fee. That is uh, not a sell on fee. Sorry. That is with a promotion clause. Um, and we did get promoted and look, whatever people say about big John, um, and I wasn't, I'm not a huge fan. People know that people who know me privately know, you know, I struggled with him a little bit at times. Um, but there's no doubt that he was crucial in our promotion out of League Two, so I think that's a major thing. Uh, you wanted to pick up on another point, I think, another player um, or another transfer story, let's say. I did, and it's uh, a transfer story that kind of gripped some Lincoln fans almost, well, it's 18 months ago now, um, and that was the sale of Harry Toffolo from Huddersfield to Nottingham Forest. Now, there was a lot of sort of discussion at the time about what potential sell-on clause did we have because we had a future interest in the player when he moved on. And I think he was reportedly sold to Nottingham Forest for around the kind of two to 2.5 million pound mark. It's hard to put a direct figure on that because him and Lewis O'Brien both moved at the same time and it was reported as a joint fee rather than a singular fee for each player. But the sale of Harry Toffolo from Huddersfield to Nottingham Forest and the sell-on fee that we then got for him then made him our highest ever departure in terms of transfer fee we got amounting to approximately £640,000. Now, I don't know, I can't remember, I, I don't know if, I, if I've ever even had the information as to what he was sold from us to Huddersfield for, but, you know, you were, you can start working maybe some of the numbers out if we had a 10, 15, 20% sell-on fee. It'll be off profit as it almost always is, um, obviously from the move from Huddersfield to Forest. And that for me is a really big, number um when gary first found out you didn't think that this was that you well you didn't think that this was going to be the highest sort of transfer fee we'd got from from a player but obviously it very much has been and it's a great point that these future interests in player in player i'm going to argue, we, I'm gonna argue yeah. in a minute oh, no, no 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 that's fine that's fine um, but these future interests that we've got in players and, and i actually saw a couple of comments around, around social media over the last couple of days in regard to charlie kendall having a future fee for example and a couple of comments have sort of yeah but future fee do they really need which is really going to move for that much well look at harry toffolo we've got a good bit of money possibly more than what the original transfer was from from us to huddersfield we've got more money from that uh, for, for a player like Harry Toffolo. So these sell-on fees, these future interesting players, really important. Uh, and we also even got a little bit of extra money from James Jones's transfer following his promotion with Wrexham. So these promotion clauses that meant that we paid more for John Akinde also meant that we got more from the James Jones deal and that sort of thing. So these are just how sales like this are structured nowadays. Yeah, I I mean, I see the future sell-on as an insurance, it's an insurance mm. clause. If a player goes on and does well, brilliant. And there have been players that have dropped out of the Football League and come back. I can't mm. think of any um, off the top of my head, which no doubt will have people highly amused. Um, but there are people, oh, Ricky Miller um, dropped out and did really well and was sold from Dover to Peterborough or whatever. After, mm -hmm. uh, Don't get me wrong, he, he didn't go on to be a like, Premier League player, but he will have made money for had he had a sell-on fee when yeah. he went back to Dover. So, um it's possible with Charlie Kendall. I, I, and again, not all of our future fees are going to reap a reward. So we're going to, we have a, a future interest in players like Zach Albazetti or, or Theo Archibald. Maybe they come to their end of their contract and go. That's not a recruitment failing. We're just saying if they are going to go on and be a success, then we'll have a share of that. If we thought they were going to go on and be a huge success, 
and we're selling them to a League Two club, we probably wouldn't be selling them to a League Two club, would we? That, that that's that's the point. Yeah. So when we say we've got a future interest in Charlie Kendall, all we're doing is a bit of bum covering just in case actually we are wrong and he goes on and, and, and he becomes quite good. I am going to argue about that record sale and I am going to pick somebody up from the club, I think, if I can on it. We're recording this. We've got advanced... Um, knowledge of the uh, accounts under embargo so we are recording this obviously beforehand it's not daylight outside <laughs> seven o'clock on wednesday morning um so i'm going to try and get some some no, uh, some knowledge um about the jack hobbs transfer because it was reported at seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds my understanding was that that was an upfront fee uh, along with a friendly and if that's the case then it isn't a record sale if that was a structured deal um, then potentially uh, it could Harry Toffolo could turn out to be a record sale. What is crucial is that we're even having this debate, um, and the rest of the transfers. And I have now taken the accounts off my screen, so I can't read uh, exactly what I was going to read to you. Um, but I think they said it was a record year for incomings and outgoings, uh, incomings transfer profit overall. Um, so it's uh, player trading. Ninety-nine thousand pound. It was. Yeah. It was how much? Sorry. Five hundred ninety-nine thousand pounds. Yeah. Now I want to pick up on another point, uh, which was in player trading. It says a small loss was made on the sale of Jamie Robson. Um, that small loss was as of June twenty twenty-three. As of January twenty twenty-four, that loss has now been mitigated because Jamie Robson has hit certain criteria in terms of appearances for Forest Green, which has meant that we haven't lost money on him. Now, I know Jamie Robson is one that, that critics, rightly so, because, you know, these are the sort of things that you are to question. Mm -hmm. but this is the sort of thing that critics will go, he was a loss. He was one that we got wrong. The recruitment will always get something wrong and something right. Nobody gets everything right all day long. If you're listening to this now and you're right all day from right now till the time you go to bed about everything, you're a liar. Somebody will always get something wrong. I get stuff wrong all the time. Um, but Jamie Robson, we didn't particularly lose money on. Uh, we, it says it here in the accounts we had as June 2023, but um, that is now no longer the case. So I just wanted to clarify that as well. Yeah, um, and that it just sort of shows that with Jamie Robson, I, I agree, it was probably a little bit of a failure. But the fact that we still managed to, to make profit on somebody that's on the pitch been a failure in at Lincoln City. That's maybe a little bit harsh, but didn't quite live up to the potential at Lincoln City. It's a great bit of business once again, and you know it's really difficult when we're looking at football to then talk about it as a business. But but it is, and sometimes when you do take the emotion and the on the field aspects away from it, the fact that we've still been able to make profit on an asset that underperformed is a real benefit um, to us, and the fact that we've made record player profits this season as i've said close to six hundred thousand pounds sorry not this season last season through some of the sales that we made through some of the sort of sell-on fees that we got for players and such as well i know i know that people hate the word the model and it has become very much weaponized and all of this but our recruitment strategy is clearly going in the right direction we may not be hitting the lofty heights that we want to hit yet but one of the really big interesting point from Kieran Maguire and you'll hear it in a couple of minutes time is that he puts us in the top three or four in, uh, in, of League One clubs in terms of player profits last season that says it all for me wow I tell you what me and you are stabbing in the dark we've talked about the players we've talked about the numbers that as fans 
we probably pick out first of all. But let's have somebody who knows what he's talking about come in and tell us about the rest of the numbers and what he thinks of Lincoln City. Um, this is the last you'll hear from me. Charlie's going to pick us up. He's talking with Kira Maguire. Uh, so take it away, Charlie. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to a very special edition of the Stacey West. Either the podcast or the YouTube channel, wherever it is that you're seeing us right now. And you will be able to see that I am not alone. Now, as some of you may know, either this morning or yesterday morning, whenever it is that you're listening to this our financial accounts for the season 22-23 were released. And to talk... Through them, I'm joined by football finance expert Kieran Maguire. Kieran, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks very much for the the welcome, Charlie. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We've we, we have chatted before, um, mm. and following uh, I'm a Brighton fan for anybody who doesn't know me. So <laughs> following a nil nil draw at the Amex last night, uh, anything other than talking about Brighton, I'm I'm up for. Well, exactly that, and I mean we are just going to be talking numbers today, and that's going to bore the pants off some people, but. Not me, I've got to be honest. I am a proper little nerd when it comes to these sorts of things, so I'm very much looking forward to this. Right, so I guess, Kieran, we'll just jump straight in with the biggest number, the number that's going to scare people when they just simply read the headline that's come out of the club over the last couple of days. £2.6 million loss. Now, Kieran, you always... Whenever you're talking about Lincoln on the Price of Football podcast or anything like that, you always put us in your good club category in terms of finances and the fact that we run sustainably and all of this sort of thing. But we're running at a £2.6 million loss. Is it something to worry about? And if it isn't, why not? Um, In an ideal world, a football club would break even um, because that to a certain extent, guarantees the sustainable future of the club. Um, I think Lincoln have a fantastic board. They've got fantastic engagement with fans and they've got shareholders who are willing to underwrite that losses. So if, if you take a look at any any club, you, you've you got the money coming in from ticket sales, from the TV deals and commercial, then you've got the money going out and, and the, the vast majority of the money going out is player related. In the case of Lincoln City uh, Football Club, 
for every pound the club generates, it was spending around about 90 pence, 91 pence going out on wages. And you throw in a little bit on transfers. And, and can you see, we, we've got an issue because the, before the groundsman sticks petrol in the mower, before uh, you stick the floodlights on for a, for a Tuesday night match, you've not got, you practically run out of money. So um, how how do clubs deal with that? Well, they deal with that partly through player trading. Um, and you, you mentioned, Charlie, that it was a £2.6 million loss. Well, had it not been, for player sales, it would have been 600 grand higher. So, so Lincoln City were effectively losing about 60 grand a week. Um, so where's that money coming from? Yeah, some of that came from player sales, um, which is always going to be limited in League One, unless you're Peterborough, who you know, for you don't have to like Darren McAntony or or love him, but he, he's very good at that mm. side of the business. So, for, for his team, um, and and the rest of the money comes from either borrowing which is is dangerous you know it's, it's a bit because if you're borrowing to to fund your, your running costs you know if if, I, if i'm borrowing money to go and buy my weekly groceries i've got a problem so so lincoln don't tend to go down that route the other source of money uh is, is coming from shareholders in in the form of buying new shares and I'll be honest. Yeah, we, we, we say, oh, they're, they're buying new shares, therefore they're improving their position. They're not. I mean, the, the it, it's effectively a gift from the owners to the club. Um, and in respect of that, the the Lincoln City shareholders, I think, are are very measured. They're pretty generous, um, but but all the same, you know, they they put in three million pounds into the club mm-hmm. last season, and without that, you'd be worried. That's a rather long absolutely. answer. I appreciate that. No, no, absolutely. And um, like you say, we are extremely fortunate in obviously the the support of Clive Nates over the past sort of decade, and now the support of the Jabara family, who are obviously coming on, and they've got a special thanks in this in in this sort of these financial accounts for all of the support that they're giving at the minute, which is you know very much deserved. We sat down with Harvey uh, in December. And he was talking about, you know, how much he's fallen in love with this club, but also how much he wants to try and build a sustainable future. And it's comments like that that we can really appreciate as fans because we know that it's not just giving money for the sake of giving money, but it's giving money to try and build a sustainable future. Now, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the the sexy numbers in terms of player trader. I mean, all these numbers are sexy to me, but that's probably why I'm still single. So, the <laughs> se- <laughs> um Player trading, as you as you kind of mentioned, six hundred thousand or just under five nine nine thousand pound profit in terms of player trading. That includes uh, some of the sales, for example, Anthony Scully, Tom Hopper, Jamie Robson. There's a couple of others in there, and also sell-on clauses for players like Harry Toffolo when he moved up to Nottingham Forest. Now, six hundred thousand pound profit. Where does that sort of rank in terms of League One uh, or, or even the wider EFL in terms of profit for player trading? Is it common that clubs are making profit from player trading or are we maybe a bit more of an anomaly? As far as League One is concerned, I think that would certainly put Lincoln City in the in the top three or four for last mm-hmm. season. Okay. Um, and again, reading the accounts, the, the Harry Toffolo knock-on sale yeah. um, was a major contributory figure to that. The danger once you fall into the habit of relying on player profit sales, 
is look, what happens if you don't get one in the year? Um, you've then got a financial problem. And also, if the, and, you know, football, football is an ecosystem. We know how it works. Uh, it's, it's a talent industry and, and talent follows the money and the higher you go up, um, the, the higher the money. So you're going to lose your better players. But what you don't want to be doing is, is selling some of your decent players to other clubs in League One because that has you know, clearly implications as far as Lincoln's chances are of getting into the playoffs or avoiding relegation or wherever you're going to be in, in, in an individual particular season. So they're good figures by League One standards. Um, you know, compared to the Premier League, you, you've got clubs like Chelsea or have player profit sales of up to 100 million in the season. Yeah, that's that's itself unusual. Um, but yeah, we know that there's a, there's a cliff face uh, in football between the Premier League and the Championship and then the Championship and um, League One itself. So they, they are good standards. It's good by League One standards. I've mentioned Peterborough. They're, they're brilliant uh, at what they do. But the vast majority of clubs are not making profits on player sales or, or they tend to be sort of in the you know, five figures or perhaps a hundred grand or so. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good to know that the the model, which is a, a term that's very much used in and around the Lincoln fan base as regards to our sort of recruitment process that could sometimes be a term that's weaponized, uh, but it, it's showing that it is working well if like you say, we are close to kind of that top three, top four in the league in terms of player profits. Um, Another point that I noticed in the accounts was central distributions and grants being down 400k for this year for, for well obviously last season compared to the season before. Could you just explain first of all what that is and why it's gone down? Yeah, um central distributions is is broadly money from two sources. First of all, there's the EFL TV mm-hmm. deal. And the way that it works is that for every £100 that the EFL generates from the TV deal, £80 goes to clubs in the Championship, £12 goes to clubs in League One, £8 goes to clubs in League Two. So, so the, the clubs in the Championship have stiffed. You know, they've, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of moaning from clubs in the Championship <laughs> about how the, the Premier League treats them badly. So, so their response to that is that, well, we're going to do exactly the same and we're going to treat the teams yeah. in League One and League Two really poorly. Um, so so there's that. And uh, in addition, there's something called solidarity payments from the Premier League. And the way that this works, and, and this is where the uh, I'm, I'm not uh, the biggest fan of the Premier League. I'm, I've got mixed feelings uh, when it comes to the EFL. There's some really good people in the EFL. There's others who uh, I'm not quite sure what their motives are. Um, but uh, the the Premier League give a a proportion of the Premier League's TV money to the EFL. And again, that is split 80 to 12 to 8. Um, The the reason why it's gone down is partly due to uh, sort of technical accounting reasons. There was a bit of a bump in Mm 21-22. And also in terms of of the grants, uh, you know, I think Lincoln City may have been entitled to, to a receipt of some government grants in 21-22, which didn't apply in 22-23. So, so broadly, I would have expected under normal circumstances, the money from the EFL and the Premier League would have been roughly the same. Well, certainly that's what I'm seeing for other clubs in League One. I think probably the issue was to do with some grants. 
Okay, so chances are that potentially is to do with, for example, last ACOS redevelopment, where we know that some of that money obviously came from uh, sort of governance. Um, something else that that was also noticed: commercial and hospitality was down eight percent. Is that a trend that we're seeing across the EFL, or is that something that maybe Lincoln City are doing wrong or not utilising our commercial hospitality potential to the best of our ability? Um. You, you'll know this far better than I. It, it, it can revolve around a couple of matches. Yeah, if you get mm -hmm. a decent cut draw, you're able to go and charge you know, for the boxes. Yeah. Um, as far as getting sponsors are concerned in football, everybody's operating in a really tight market. So mm. can I justify giving a sponsorship deal to a football club or being seen to be having uh, you know, entertaining guests in hospitality at a football club when at the same time I've just said to my staff, you know, six of you are going to be redundant and the rest of you aren't going to get pay rises. Mm -hmm. You know, the optics can quite often be bad. So it's really tough for commercial departments. And, and I speak to, to commercial departments at football clubs up and down the country, including Scotland, and, and they say... It's a really tough market. If, if you're Manchester United and you can go and announce a 900 million pound deal with Adidas, um, mm -hmm. then it's different. But you know, Lincoln City, a proper community football club, it's it's not a global brand used to to flog you know computer chips or or, or you know, the things that we're seeing at the, at the elite end of the Premier League. So you're fishing in a completely different pool, and people who have got entertainment budgets they're finding them slash so therefore they might have taken clients along to four matches last season mm -hmm. and this season it's three matches so it's, it's not a it's not a criticism of the commercial department it's it's a factor that the economy is operating under very tight circumstances at present yeah fully understandable with obviously the way that we're that it is at the minute in in this country um two two more questions then kieran so both slightly wider efl i guess but born out of things that were, are in the accounts. Um, we apparently made a profit of only £55,000 for our fourth round Carabao Cup run that ended with us playing away at Southampton in the fourth round where we should have won if Jared Gillett decided to, um, well, actually watch the match, but we're not going to go down that route. Um, that was not really, the. it's not really the best cup commercially as we know, but could you just uh, outline what the the prize money slash gate money gate receipt situation is in the Carabao Cup. Yeah. As far as the Carabao Cup, there's no prize money unless you get mm -hmm. to the semi-finals. I think losing semi-finalists get uh, something ludicrous. I think they get fifty grand. The losing finalist gets a hundred grand, and the winner gets two hundred grand. That now, if if you if you put that into some form of context, the difference between finishing. 12th and 13th or 15th and 16th in the Premier League is two and a half million quid. Yeah. So the Carabao Cup is, it is there purely for the glory. As, as far as the money that we've made, that would have been um, perhaps some of the media rights um, from, from the Carabao Cup and you know, perhaps a share of some of the away gate receipts. But it's, it's a very, very small figure. Um, it's, it's a competition that you are entering for the chance to go to a Premier League club or host a, a club higher up in, in the uh, in, in the pyramid than yourself and, and have a good good night out. It is not a money spinner for clubs unless you end up on television, in which case you'll get you'll get a fee 
from Sky. But again, the, the fees in the in the early rounds are, are pretty pretty minuscule. Mm-hmm. And no wonder the Premier League clubs want to scrap the Carabao Cup. Then you know, um, it's, it's well, some of them do. Side, some but... of them do. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's only it's only it's only it's only the greedy six that want yes. it because they want to play more matches in Europe because yeah. they are more lucrative. From a business point of view, I absolutely understand where those clubs are coming mm-hmm. from. From anybody that, yeah, and, and I'm a f- football nerd. You know, I've, I've done 117 grounds <laughs> watching Brighton and seen us losing practically all of them. Um, so I, I go to football, mm. but and, and I, I know a, a wee thing about finance, but yeah, it's it's not my motivation. Um, it's not the motivation of of Clive Nates and Liam at Lincoln City Football Club to make money. It's not the motivation of the guy that owns Brighton because he's stuck in half a billion pounds. But for the Glazers and Fenway Sports Group and Stan Kroenke, it's all about making money. And the Carabao Cup simply doesn't make the money. They want to bin it off. They want to they they want to scrap replays in the mm-hmm. in the uh, FA Cup. And I think we'll see that disappear as part of the, the distribution yeah. deal, which will eventually get announced and so on. Well, you kind of segued on perfectly for me there for the uh, final question, of course. Looking ahead to the future, obviously these accounts we, we've said they they're good in a bad world, um, and, and I think that's probably the best way that we can describe kind of the losses and such that we're seeing at Lincoln City at the minute. But in terms of the future, financial redistribution. Obviously, we've got the new TV deal coming in uh, next season that's going to see a boost in finances from that. But we're also obviously waiting on a uh, new financial redistribution model. God knows when that's going to happen. First of all, Kieran, where, where are we with that in terms of any kind of a potential timeline? Could you maybe inform us? And then second of all, what might that look like? Right. The the position that we are in is that the EFL is in favour of an independent regulator. Um, I, I think they realise that the EFL has got no negotiating power with the Premier League. The Premier League's got all the power. So therefore, it makes sense for the... EFL to to read the room as far as fans are concerned, you know, the regulator. Um, the government white paper is starting to progress very, very slowly through the legislative process. Um, the Premier League are employing lobbyists to try to dilute the powers of the regulator. And actually, 95% of what the regulator does isn't going to impact upon the Premier League. The 5% that does will be in respect of, of a new TV deal. And to give you some form of context, the, the club that finishes bottom of the Premier League generates around about £102 million in TV money. If you're one place below that, if you finish top of the, the championship, and you're not in receipt of parachute payments, you'll probably get around about seven and a half, eight million. So there's there's this huge gap. Um, the Premier League came up with a proposal to give clubs in the EFL more money, and it would have been probably probably around about four million pounds for a for a Championship club, uh, probably about you know eight hundred grand for a club in League One, five hundred grand for a club. So you know substantial amounts of, of money. Mm-hmm. And that was fine, but clearly that's coming out of the Premier League pot, for want of a better word. And what the Premier League clubs are now doing is that they are fighting about how 
that money should be split within the Premier League itself. So you've got the likes of the Glazers and Fenway Sports Group and Stan Kroenke, you know, the, the Sneaky Six, the Super League Six, whatever you want to call them, and I'm not fans of them, as you can imagine. Um, they're saying, well, yeah, that money should be split evenly between all 20 clubs in the Premier League. And then you've got the likes of Steve Parrish at Crystal Palace saying, hold on, you already earn a fortune more than you know Liverpool and Manchester United. You're, you're earning four or five times more than Palace. Surely it should be a function of how the Premier League divvies up money. Um, they can't agree. To make progress in the Premier League, you've got to have the approval of 14 clubs, and that's not the case at present. Now, the Premier League did say to the EFL at the start of the season... We've not yet agreed on the deal, but what we're going to do, we're going to give you £88 million as as a goodwill figure and then to help clubs in the EFL Mm -hmm. um, for 23-24. But because they were squabbling about how that £88 million should be divvied up, it got to December and they hadn't agreed. So therefore they said, well, look, no EFL clubs have gone bust yet. So we're going to halve that money to £44 And... No clubs have gone bust in the EFL yet in January. So now they're saying, oh, perhaps we didn't need to give you that money after all. Um, Richard Masters, who's the the, the chair of the uh, Premier League, he was grilled by MPs last week. And, and to be fair, the MPs were were reasonably well briefed. And as one of them said, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've not got actually any incentive to give any money to the EFL because the longer it takes you to make a decision, the less money you're giving. And Masters go. Oh really? I, 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 I've never thought of it like that. You know, he's he's acting as if as if this was a great revelation, um, and, and this has put pressure because yeah, again, looking at it from the perspective of Lincoln City, people don't know how how Lincoln City operates. You've got Lincoln City Football Club Limited, which is sort of the day to day operations, and then you've got a company called Lincoln City Holdings. And you, you mentioned Clive Nates and you mentioned the new owners. They put money into Lincoln City Holdings you know, a few months ago. Very generous. Yeah, you know, Lincoln's got cash in the bank. You know, one thing, you know, it's, it's got it's got really supportive owners. And then what tends to happen is that when the football club needs that money, it says to the holding company, okay, you've now got money in the bank. Can we have some of it? From what I'm seeing, the football club was saying, well, hold on, we, we were expecting some money from the Premier League. That's not a right. So now for the, they're having to go cap in hand um, yeah. to the parent company for money and asking for that money earlier uh, than they would have expected under normal circumstances. So that's my interpretation of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Premier League, I, I think it's, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a political person, but it's indicative of the, the greed is good mentality. Mm-hmm that many successful people have. Um, they don't give a damn about clubs in League One and League Two. Um, yeah, we, we've seen this with the elite player performance plan in the mm-hmm. sense that they, if, if you've got a promising 14 or 15-year-old, they'll just get mm-hmm. tapped up by a Premier League club. You'll get you know, you'll get 20 grand compensation. And if that player, if, if you've got a successful player that goes on to play 100 games in the Premier League, who has came through your academy? You do get a bit of compensation, but it's it's peanuts compared to what that player is worth. Which apparently happened in these accounts as well. We we apparently lost a, a young academy player to the elite performance player plan there as well. So yeah, look, 
thank you so much for all of that, Kieran. It's kind of bad, obviously, that um, Richard Masters decides to use the barometer of going bust as whether or not they should actually support. Uh, obviously, never heard of uh, pretended pre- prevention measures. That's the word I'm trying to spit out this morning. It's it's nine a.m. on a Tuesday morning. It's I'm still not fully awake yet. Um, right, Kieran, thank you very much for joining me there. That was some really really useful insight into these accounts and. Um, yeah, that, honestly, thank you. Thank, thanks for thanks for the invite, Charlie. It's always good to meet up with you again and keep up the great work. Cheers. Thank you very much, and thank you all for watching. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.